It's the second weekend in Advent, and I am thinking about refugees. Mostly because, well, at least here in Canada, that seems to be what everyone is speaking about, that we should all be welcoming to refugees. But I'm also thinking about it because it's Advent. I think of all those wonderful readings from Jeremiah, written to a Jewish people that was in exile. Bad things happened, there was war, there was persecution, and people were displaced. They were refugees. In many ways, the Jewish people were refugees at various times in Jewish history. Even Jesus, speaking to the disciples about the things that were to happen, speaking very much about the destruction of, the, of Jerusalem and of the temple, those Christians ended up having to flee and were displaced. Bad things happened. There was war, there was persecution, there was opposition, there are confrontations. And sometimes it feels that all we can do is wait. I remember a young Iraqi refugee I met in Jordan when I was there about five years ago. She couldn't work, she couldn't become a citizen, refugees in Jordan cannot work and cannot become citizens, and she couldn't afford to go to school. All she could do was wait. And that's what refugees do. They wait. And that's what we do at Advent. We wait. We are reminded of times when things were difficult, but God made a promise that things were going to change. Advent is, in a way, a time to remind us that we are all refugees. Advent is also a time to remind us that this is not forever. There is hope. There is Christmas. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. Today on our program, Sister Marie Paul Curley returns to talk about two movies, one that is not very well known and one that is very, very well known. That's in about 15 minutes, just, to, just after our news. And at the end of our first half on Connect 5, Sebastian Gomes speaks with Archbishop Arthur Roche of the Congregation of Worship, and they speak about the new translation of the Mass. In our second half hour, we're going to be going to Paris for the Climate Conference and we'll learn what our Catholic faith says about climate change. And after that, we'll be reconnecting with singer-songwriter Tori Harris. She has a new single, so we're very excited to be featuring that as well. So let's start with one of Tori's songs. Here's Amazing Love. can hear the angels singing songs of heaven touching earth I can hear his mother crying she's been shown her baby's work and hallelujah and hallelujah and hallelujah Yeah. 
was Tori Harris with her single Amazing Love and we're going to be speaking with Tori Harris at the end of the program and in about 10 minutes Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley but first here's Emily with our news hello Emily hi Pedro so a big conference in Paris big conference in Paris how is, yeah. how is that a Catholic news well, um, there are actually a lot of bishops, for one, okay. around the world who have supported this event. Okay. But not only the bishops, of course, um, Pope Francis yes. is a huge uh, supporter of this not, conference. He's, he's not, not there. there. No. no, he's not there. Um, who's representing him is Cardinal Pietro Parolin, yeah. who is the Secretary um, of, State. of State of the Holy See. Um, he'll also be replaced, though, later on in the second half of the conference Next week, by yeah. uh, Cardinal Peter Turkson. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, exactly. From the Pontifical Council for uh, Justice and Peace. Yes, yes exactly. Good. Um, so the conference opened this week. It opened on Monday, and it's going to be going on until December 11th. Mm-hmm. Now, there are about 196 um countries who will be from the United Nations um, who are participating in this event uh, to reach a an accord uh-huh. yeah to reach an agreement an agreement thank you yes. um, to reduce uh, climate uh, the climate change or the okay. uh, yeah right so um, and there are also about 150 heads of states that are there there uh-huh. and 10,000 delegates from around the okay, world nice, yes. participating now uh, Cardinal Pietro Parolin was um, is there as we said and yes. he gave a speech on Tuesday uh-huh. um, and so in, in, in at this conference and he came back on uh, some of the v- some of the texts that Pope Francis um, said, some of the stuff that the Pope said when he was in Kenya uh, visiting the United Nations. Right, yeah, exactly, because he's headquarters over there. Yeah, good. Exactly. And so some of the things that he he was mentioning, the Cardinal, um, is that, so the Pope did refer a lot to the conference happening in Paris, hoping that this would lead to the adoption of a global agreement that will be transformative. Right. Using, yeah, so using that term transformative. Uh-huh. And so, again, he also mentioned that the objectives that should be thought about or the goals of this agreement should consider um, the reduction of the impact of climate change, um, combating uh, poverty, and um, promoting the dignity of the human person. So those are three main aspects that the Pope mentioned and the, and the Cardinal came back on during his speech. Um, and to not... Also, to not manipulate the informations in order to um, to uphold the interests of particular right. um, groups, yes. which were very important in his speech. Mm-hmm. Um, he also mentioned that the most vulnerable in in this case are the poor and the future generations, and so that this should be something that um, that everyone should be concerned about, and um, and to really um, engage governments, authorities, entrepreneurs, scientific communities, and the civil society um, in this uh, yeah, yeah. 
in this goal of this, yeah yeah uh, of reducing climate change exactly um in fact our our featured guest this uh, as you know th- in this episode is in this program is going to be uh, thomas insua of the catholic uh, yeah. climate uh, uh, global catholic climate movement yes um and he's in paris so we're going to get uh, his perspectives on what's happening so it's kind of it's good to know that the church is part of this conversation. Definitely. And they also, they had a petition going, uh, yes, circulating yes, around. Yes, I'm sure Thomas will talk about that. There yes. you go, yeah. Which yeah. happened in April and, and the Pope even endorsed this this petition. Yes. Um, again, cardinals and bishops endorsed this petition. There were, I think, over uh, 800,000 Catholics yeah, he's gonna, the I'm going to ask so. him. He's going to tell good, us how yeah. many people signed the, 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 uh, the petition. Apparently it wasn't yes. just, so the Catholics had a petition, but some other Christian groups also had petitions. Yes. So I think altogether it's many, many, many more signatures right. um, basically to, to these world leaders to, yes. to say, hey, this is important and we care about it. Um, and as we know, Pope Francis wrote an encyclical about caring for our, our common home. Yeah. Climate change exactly. is one part. Of yes. all, of all the issues that we need to be uh, worrying about, I guess. Yes, and I think a lot of the, the religious leaders are are trying to really um, affirm that that it's yes. not it's not just climate change, but that it affects yes. the whole person. They're, they talk about integral ecology. Inter- yes, Inter- absolutely. No, and I, and I appreciate what uh, Cardinal Parolin was saying, and I don't know how many other world leaders are saying that is not how how climate change affects the poor mm-hmm. and how it affects um, you know how, how we need to respect the dignity of, of the human person. Because for us, that's very important. Pope Francis has taken sort of the, what the church teaches on creation and the church's social teaching and put them together Yes, because it's really the same teaching. Anyway, this is all very cool. Uh, and I'm sure people are hearing all about uh, COP21 on their regular news. Now you're getting the Catholic angle on COP21. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Pedro. Emily Calan is one of our French language producers. You can stay informed of what's happening in the Catholic world every day on our daily perspectives updates in many languages at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. Hi, I'm Susan Hukong-Taylor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro, and when you find me, be sure to like my page. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's great to be back, especially with such great movies that I want to talk about today. Good, looking forward to that. So what do we have? So the first movie is very little known, and the second movie is very famous. So we'll start with the lesser known. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Letters. Is, okay. uh, is a great way to start your year of mercy. It's opening in theaters across the United States this weekend, uh, December 4th. Uh-huh. It opened, and it's the portrayal of the woman who I would say lived the spirit of mercy the most uh, uh-huh. in the 20th century, uh, Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Really? A new film on, her, on the life of Mother Teresa? Yeah, and it's wow, actually it's it's quite good. It's very inspiring. Uh-huh. Uh, it refers the title, of course, refers to those controversial letters, uh, the letters that she wrote years ago that were published a okay. few years ago. Um, the letters that she wrote to her spiritual advisors, talking about her great spiritual darkness. Uh huh. I remember that because there was a, there was a huge fuss that people were making about her having this dark night for so long. Yeah. Yes, and that, and also that you know that extreme spiritual desolation. People were like, "Well, yes. did she have faith?" And right. it's it's 
you know, I would say these filmmakers, so the film is, is written and directed and, and actually produced by a William Reed uh-huh. um, of, uh, enter, oh, I can't remember the name of his company now, right. uh, but he, he, puts, he obviously really loves Mother Teresa because he chose to focus the film on this spiritual journey that she made of darkness. Now, unfortunately, that's really hard to do. And even more unfortunately, I don't think the film totally succeeds in showing this spiritual journey, this, right. this spiritual desolation she goes through, because it's really hard to show well, somebody's interior yeah, life. Exactly. Yeah. However, it is really good because instead of, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the documentaries and even some of, you know, at least one film that I saw in Mother Teresa kind of makes it look like everything was easy for her. Like she was holy when she started, which she was. Uh, she was yeah. a holy sister of Loretto uh, so. when, she, when she received the call to serve the poorest of the poor, which is where the movie starts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but she had to go through the troubles and obstacles just like anybody else. And this movie really highlights some of those. So instead of like trying to cover her whole life, the film really delves into key moments of her life. Okay. Uh, you know, when she was called to leave the convent of the Sisters of Loretto and begin her mission to serve the poor, which, of course, raised so many eyebrows in the church and, mm-hmm. you know, in her community. And then her establishment of the mission in, really, she started off in the worst slums of India, practically, the worst slums of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. And founding her new congregation, getting permission, opening the house for the dying. So it actually, it's, you know, the screenplay is a bit heavy-handed. It's not, it's not as well written as it could have been. It doesn't right. really take advantage of the real drama, I think, of Mother Teresa's life. But it's very well produced. It's got great actors. Juliet Stevenson is uh-huh. mother. Uh, there's, I mean, you'll recognize the faces of her, the postulator for her cause and her spiritual director. Uh, and they tried to be very authentic in, you know, they went to India to, sh- to shoot the film. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's, it's quite, uh, it's, it's beautifully done in terms of its commitment to uh, portraying the spirit of Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, in addition to being the life of a saint, which is, you know, always a good thing to watch, um, yes. even though it's a little slow, a little bit more of a contemplative pace, mm-hmm. it is a really great thing um, to help us reflect on, as, as followers of Christ, about the role of suffering and darkness in, the, in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, did her feeling that God wasn't present in her mean that her faith wasn't true? You know, on the contrary, you know, actually she was able to live her faith so dynamically, even when she felt she didn't feel that she was living faith, you know, mm-hmm. well. And so it's, it's really, it's a powerful testimony. And it's also a great advertisement for the book, <laughs> which okay. is called Come Be My Light, okay. you know, the, yes. the, the personal or private writings of the Saint of Calcutta. So it's a really good film. It's opening this weekend. It's small. You may have to go look for the theater that's carrying it okay. in your area. And I, again, I don't know when um, it opens. It okay. opens in Canada. Okay. I can't find a date. So, okay, so. So, but it's opening in the United States for sure. It opened December fourth, and you're saying that it's it's wide release, though it might not be in every theater. But it, this is a, a film film. It's not a, like a little fringe film that you have to. You know. No, it, it it seems to be playing beyond some of the art theaters. Okay. Um, so it's you should be able to find it in your area. All right, um, good. So, so the yeah. letters. And then just just a footnote for another great film that I okay. had a wonderful yes. opportunity to watch. Yes. Uh, it opened a DVD last month. Um, Inside Out. Okay. Is, yes. Yeah, uh, Pixar's delight and Disney's a delightful yes. uh, animated nude to DVD film about, you know, a, a little girl, 11-year-old Riley, and how she struggles with her family's move 
from Minnesota to San Francisco, especially with her feelings of right. joy and sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. Now, if you've seen the trailer, you know how imaginative and delightful it is. And if you know, this is, this is Pixar at its best. It's a masterpiece of animation and of storytelling. But it's a great film on, you know, because it's really great fun for the family to enjoy together. But it also offers the opportunity for parents or even teachers or even youth ministers to use as a lead-in to talk about feelings and behavior, right. you know, the importance of even the less pleasant emotions in our lives. You know, the fact that life isn't always a happily ever after here on Earth, but right. that we need to live the joyful and the sad moments of our lives. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a great film um, and great for the family to watch and has a lot of depth to it as well. So I just, I didn't want to let another month pass uh-huh. by without mentioning Inside Out as Good. a great film for the whole family. Yeah, absolutely. Pixar. Disney, they always have great films. And it's interesting that you said that it's hard to portray the interior life of a person in a film, but that's exactly what Inside Out tries to do, portraying the interior life of this little girl in that terms of her so emotions. And yes. <laughs> Pixar does have an advantage, of course. They, yes, can, animate they can animate the feelings it. of characters, yes. which is, of course, what happens. Exactly. Um, but yes, it's a brilliant job of, of doing that interior life. Good, good. Yeah. I actually haven't seen it yet, so I'm looking forward to seeing it now that it's on demand somewhere. Um, Sister Marie Paul, Thank you very much. So the letters, Mother Teresa and Inside Out Pixar. Thank you so much. Thank you and a blessed Advent. To uh, you Pedro, too. Pedro. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and you can also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Trevor Thompson and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Vigan Pedro. And God bless you. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with Archbishop Arthur Roche, the Secretary of the Congregation for Worship at the Vatican. They discuss the new translation of the Mass and the various reactions to it. Liturgy today seems to be an area where um, it it's almost can be used as a tool to, to divide people oh. instead of unifying people. Um, there's different expressions of liturgy that are popular in different circles, but how do we express ourselves diversely but also in unity and make sure that the liturgy is not is not sort of used uh, uh, as a weapon but is more of an instrument of unity? Well, you know, the Acts of the Apostles tell us that uh, the early Christians were faithful to the breaking of bread, the Word of God, and to the brotherhood. You know, unity has to be worked at. It's not just something that... We're not joining a club when we're joining the church. Clubs are things that you can join for recreational uh, purposes because you're, you're meeting people who have the same interest in a particular area of life or share your opinion about a particular thing. The church is much bigger than that. And um, it, it's not a matter of that. It's, it's a matter of actually preserving the unity of the church through the teaching of the church. You know, and seeing a bigger picture than just small aspects that perhaps irritate some and, you know, and yet please others. Um, faithfulness to what the church gives us is very important. And the Church has given us the celebration of the Mass 
in, in two forms. The ordinary form is uh, the, the Mass that was developed under uh, Blessed Pope Paul VI in the 1960s. That is the ordinary form, that is the form that every uh, Catholic Christian uh, should hold as being part of the, their Catholic life. The extraordinary form is another expression which is older than the, the 69 Missal and uh, is, is a valid expression of, of the Church's liturgy. I think what both have to learn from each other is on the one hand the wide application of the scriptures which is available in the Novus Ordo Missae and on the other hand a real sense of reverence and worship when we go to, to celebrate Mass. The celebration of Mass is not an expression of the community, it's first and foremost an act of worship of God. And that is very, very important. It's not something that I'm going to please myself. I'm going there because this is what I'm giving to God from the little that I have in union with Christ, his beloved Son, returning all of that to the Father. If you've got that in your mind, you know, you will accept uh, that as being valid both in the ordinary form, certainly, and in the extraordinary form, too. But unity is something that is not just finding like-minded people. It's not looking just for simple uniformity. The present Holy Father talks about unity in, in, with diversity. We've got to find that in the church. It's not the, my body alone. It's not the body of this community. It's the body of the Lord. And when we start to uh, break that down, that's what we're doing. We're breaking down the body of Christ, uh, which is a very serious thing to do. Mm -hmm. Especially through, like you said, an act of worship, an act of worshiping God. It's ridiculous, yeah. you know, to... Um, we've got to have great respect. It's not just that people earn respect. We've got to give respect even when they're not earning it. You know, it's an attitude of mind, and it's something that... Uh, is, is very important as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Christ had remarkable respect for people and uh, great sensitivity. We're not warriors. We're, we're simple servants. Or as Pope Benedict so beautifully said it when he was elected Pope, uh, simple servants in the vineyard of the Lord. Archbishop, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Archbishop Arthur Roche, Secretary of the Congregation for Worship. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, the Catholic Church and climate change and a featured chat with Tori Harris. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. It seems that everyone is speaking about climate change. Well, partly that's because 
All this week and next week, leaders from around the world are gathered in Paris for COP21, which is the short form for the 21st Conference of Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. The event is part of an ongoing process to have all 195 countries of the United Nations do what they can do to help prevent climate change from spiraling out of control. We all know about Pope Francis's encyclical on the care for creation, so we know that the Church has something to say about caring for creation. But does the Church have something specific to say about climate change? To tell us, earlier this week I spoke with Tomas Insua, coordinator of the Global Catholic Climate Movement. Thomas, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're so, happy to, to talk with you. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure that our listeners, they've never heard of the Global Catholic Climate Movement. In fact, I know that a year ago that did not even exist. So what is the Global Catholic Climate Movement? Great. So yes, in fact, this, is, this movement is only 10 months old. Uh-huh. So we only launched a, our campaign and movement in January this year. Yes. And basically what we're doing is responding to the Pope's call uh, on climate change. Okay. Um, as, as you well know, I mean, the Pope is very vocal on climate change lately, most prominently the encyclical, of course, which lays the foundation for the ecological engagement of the whole Catholic Church. Uh, but also, I mean, he has, I mean, the past few weeks, actually, or past few months, yes. he has had several really strong statements on climate change. The last one being... I don't know if you heard it, when but he in, in his Africa. trip back, yeah, that he said that uh, we were about to commit suicide uh, with climate change. Yes. So he's he's getting really vocal, and we're basically the the GCCM, the Global Catholic Climate Movement, is working to put into action. I mean, to turn this Pope's uh, messages into action from the grassroots of the of the church. Okay, and you called it a campaign. So it's a what's it? It's uh, no, it's a movement, yeah, sorry. It's a that, that was pr- not, not really appropriate. It's it's a movement. It's a coalition of Catholic organizations, uh, which in 2015 had a a, a campaign, which okay. was the Catholic Climate Petition Campaign. Okay. okay. Uh, which was our yes. main thing in 2015. Okay. So 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 the the. Catholic Climate Petition was a campaign that this movement, the Catholic, the Global Catholic Correct. Climate Movement, had. So, are there other things that you're doing like that campaign as, that are part of sort of your action uh, action items that you're doing as in the movement? Yes. Well, so we have several things. Uh, the, the the petition was and is will continue to be the main one. Okay. Uh, but there are many other related. The first one, of course is simply promoting the Laudato Si encyclical. Okay. Uh, this is such an important... I mean, every encyclical, of course, is important. Yes. Uh, and this one is especially important because it's the first one entirely about ecology. Yes. So our one of our core uh, goals is to make sure that every Catholic... We're 1.2 billion Catholics, so we have lots of Catholics. We have a lot of work ahead. Yes. But we want to make sure that every Catholic reads this very important document. So I would encourage the audience uh, to spend some time, spend a, a few hours yes. uh, this coming weekend, and spend some time with that beautiful document. Yeah, and, well, yes. it's not only that. It's We have several other things, uh, ranging from a greening of our congregations. So uh-huh. we have to start by putting into practice uh, this encyclical by reducing our carbon footprint, starting with our congregations. So 
our parishes uh, and overall Catholic institutions have a lot of work to do in terms of going green and reducing our carbon footprint uh, and, so, and so on and so forth. And also on mobilizing, uh, we know that climate change is a political problem uh, that is such a big problem because politicians, unfortunately, haven't cared about the issue. Yeah. Uh, so we really need to put pressure on our, on our politicians and say that the Catholic community stands with Pope Francis and asks for urgent and bold climate action. Absolutely. So you mentioned also that it's a, it's a coalition of various groups around the world. Like, what can you give me an example of what groups are part of your movement? Sure. Like in the so states or in Canada? It, currently, we're about three hundred Catholic organizations. Yeah. And there are all sorts of, of groups uh, or institutions that are members. So, yes. for example, uh, in Canada, it's. Uh, a partner is uh, Development and Peace, right, uh, which is the charitable uh, agency of the Canadian of the, Church. Yes. Yep. And in the U.S., there are several, ranging from Catholic Charities right. to the Catholic Climate Covenant, which is the U.S. Yes. bishops. Yes. Uh, and and um, yeah. and also, I mean, many other uh, smaller groups, religious congregations, and so I mean, for example, the Franciscan Action Network. Yes. Uh, all kind of institutions. Okay, and it's worldwide. Um, uh, the, I think anybody who's read the encyclical, I think it's clear that that encyclical is not just about climate change. It's very much about you know the care for creation. There's a lot of issues that the Pope handles in the encyclical. Why focus only on climate change and not on the larger message of caring for you know integral ecology as a whole? Yeah, I mean, we encourage everybody to care about it integral ecology as a whole, eh, of course. Yes. Eh, but we, we, we choose just to focus on climate change for two main reasons. One is that there's so many ecological issues that we have to work on that we simply, I mean, us as a coalition of organizations, we, I mean, many of our member organizations are working many other environmental issues as well. Eh, okay. But if we want to make a difference, eh, we need to be focused on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the single biggest environmental issue today is climate change. I mean, it's by far the, the largest and more problematic because it's so interrelated with so many other issues. Um, so it's just of a matter of focus. Uh, of course, we encourage everybody to take action. I mean, there's so many other environmental problems that we need to 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 work on. But another important distinction is that many of the other environmental problems usually are local. Right. Uh, so it's it. I mean, in terms of a global coalition, it makes sense to work on this global problem, which is climate change, and we need everybody to take action right. on the pollution of a river, for example. It's the local yes. uh, community that has to take action on that. Yeah, absolutely. Now you are in Paris right now for COP twenty one for the UN climate conference. Uh, is the church in at that conference in an official capacity as a as an observer of the United Nations? Uh, oh, how, what is the church's involvement with the with the conference? Yeah, that's correct. So the church is present in uh, mainly through the Holy See delegation yeah. as an official of service state. Uh, so the Holy oh, See yeah. has a delegation here in Paris. Yeah. And then there there's the the delegations of uh, Caritas, Caritas Internationalis, yeah. uh, and CITSE, which is the the coalition of Catholic development agencies, both have the uh, delegations here, and us, GCCM, 
also have uh, a group of member organizations who are here in Paris. And when you say that but, you're... So, sorry, go ahead. Were you going to... Uh, I was going to yeah, say... I mean, the, the official one would be, would be the Holy, Holy See delegation. Uh, yeah, yeah, because they're an ob- observer observer member of the United Nations. Um, Correct. But as, uh, when you say that you're there, so the GCCCM, Global Catholic Climate Movement, you're there as participants, as observers, do you have a voice? How? Do, how what is your involvement with the actual uh, COP21 conference? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the COP, this COP conference, it's a huge thing. So yes. it's not only what happens in the actual negotiations, Right. It's also about the many other events, side events, all around Paris happening yeah. at the same time. The whole climate world. I mean, all organizations that have something to do with climate change are here in Paris this two weeks. So there are lots of, I mean, we're mainly engaging in the agenda outside the official negotiations. I mean, we also attend the negotiations where mm-hmm. we're there, but mainly it's about the events happening outside. It's about... Uh, there are lots of forums and civil society, um, yeah, yeah, um, it, discussion tables and so on. We're mainly participating on that. Right. No, and it sounds like if, if I got anything from Laudato Si, the Pope's encyclical, is that this the only way that we can ta- tackle this issue and all ecological issues, but this one in particular is through dialogue, through coming together. It's not just a political issue. It's not just an economical issue. It's not just social, but everybody has to come together, scientists, religious leaders. And it sounds like that's kind of what's happening in Paris right now. That's, ex- that's totally correct, yes. That's, that's very exciting. It's, it's, uh, um, exciting must be exciting for you to be, able to be part of this. Yeah, totally. And, and also, most importantly, uh, what brought us here to Paris is that three day, um, a few days ago on Saturday, the Saturday right before the conference on November 28th, we had a very nice interfaith event here in Paris uh-huh. uh, in which we delivered uh, our petition signatures. I mentioned our petition signatures, which I encourage the audience to sign online. You can, you can look at our website uh, the, you can Google the Global Catholic Climate Movement, and you'll find our petition. Yeah. We have, and we came here to Paris to bring our petition signatures. We collected a 840,000 Beautiful. signatures, so it's close to a million signatures, uh-huh. which is a lot, uh, uh-huh. given the short time frame since launch and so on, and we put the campaign together. So one, almost one million Catholics have spoken on climate change and have asked governments here in Paris to take action. So we had this event in Paris where we delivered this petition to get signatures together, and this is the most, the most beautiful part, is in coalition with other faith-based organizations. Uh-huh. Uh, so Excellent. there were four faith-based campaigns, so like there's the ACT Alliance, which is similar to us, it's sort of a coalition of Protestant Christian churches uh, and organizations and two other uh, faith-based organizations, and we brought together about one, almost two million signatures uh, that we delivered to the French government who presided the, the COP21 yes. and to the UN uh, climate chief, Christiana Figueres. Okay. Uh, so, so good. So yeah, we also came for that. Excellent. So it sounds like like you're doing good work. Um, uh, thank you for what you're doing and for sharing it with us. And, and I'll, we'll put that link on our site so people can find that petition easily and you can continue 
uh, uh, gathering signatures. Thomas, thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Have a good day. That was a conversation I had with Thomas Insua, the coordinator of the Global Catholic Climate Movement from Paris earlier this week. You can find out more about their work at their website, catholicclimatemovement.global. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Tori Harris, featured in the new single by the band South by North, Coming Home. I am the prodigal who set out on her own Left behind a love that I disowned I filled my soul on wine And danced through the darkest night That I'd ever known And when the light of dawn arrived It burned my eyes I awoke to find my soul had caught on fire smoke cleared I'd see that I had been deceived and I never felt so
That was Tori Harris with Coming Home, featuring the band South by North. Now, in the last couple of years, we've come across a lot of wonderful and talented new young Catholic artists who are writing excellent music, and one of them is Tori Harris. We met the Nashville-based artist a few years ago as she was just starting her career, and now this career is really taking off. Recently, she wrote a song, the song we just heard, Coming Home, Uh, with the band South by North and ended up recording her vocal as the lead on the record. Um, The song is inspired by the Year of Mercy, which is beginning this coming Tuesday. So, to tell us more about it, I am happy to welcome Tori Harris back to our program. Tori, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So, before I ask you about coming home, the song... um, I don't even know. I'm thinking it's more than a year that we last spoke. So what have you been doing 2015? The one-minute the, 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 the one recap. The one-minute recap. Thank you. Uh, 2015 marked my, I think, my second slash third full-time year of, of doing music. Amazing. Traveling on the road. Yeah. Uh, I spent about four months in New York City. I uh, spent a lot of time at St. Patrick's Cathedral playing a couple of masses for Cardinal Dolan. Really? Uh, nice. Yeah, I played as far from California to Texas to New York City. Um, right now, uh, I'm in Dallas, and I'm probably hoping to stay here just for a little while. Okay. Kind of basing out of, out of Dallas, working uh, working on a new program in conjunction with the Arts Society of New York. So it's, it's really neat, kind of fun. <laughs> you're, wor- you're in Dallas uh, working on a project with the Archdiocese of New York. Well, you know, it's... I actually wait. So let's let's keep recapping the year. Um, yeah. Okay. I had a song in a movie this year. Yeah. Oh, cool. That was really fun. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. And then this Christmas, it, so it's this third year. So in January, this movie came out called Hoovie, uh, and a song of mine called Believe is is featured in the film. Uh huh. And Hoovy. then at the end of the year, so this November, uh, Vital Worship, which is a Day One Records project, released a Christmas song. Yeah. Of mine, so that'll be sold in stores, which I'm really excited about. Um, that's amazing. Is that amazing? Project. Sorry, is that amazing huh? love? That, yeah, yeah, that's amazing love. Okay, we heard it at the beginning of the program. Yeah, it's a nice song. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Cool. I'm really excited about it. So you've been busy. Can and I? So, sorry, go ahead. Huh? I keep interrupting you. Go <laughs> ahead. Um, but yeah, no, to ask about Archdiocese New York, basically what it is is um, it's probably more fair to say that there are priests in the Archdiocese. We've been working on, um, I, I don't know if you know this, but 2017 is going to mark the 50th year of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Oh, yes. Which, I, yeah, you know, I actually, like, honestly, I think there's, it's really divisive, the camps uh, mm, among yeah. American Catholics. There are those who are like, oh, for the renewal, and they're like, oh, this is great, this is amazing. And there are Catholics who are like, this is weird, yeah. and I don't understand it, and I think it's dangerous. And, yes. Um, right, it's emotional. So. It's, it's really interesting, the dynamics between the two groups. So I've been working with uh, some really cool priests, uh, and we've been assimilating, like, what, what actually does the Church officially say about the renewal? Um, okay. Like, is it good, is it bad? And if it's good, and these gifts are good, how can an ordinary lay Catholic use it and still be obedient? How do we correct some of the mistakes in the renewal, and how do we encourage the positive things? Nice. And so we ended up putting together... Um, this little book, it's like a catechesis uh-huh. on the Holy Spirit. Um, I just heard last week um, that I'm pretty sure that we're getting a Neil Obstad on it, and so the next step will be an imprimatur. Excellent. And so it'll be considered, like, good wow. and awesome. What the <laughs> heck? Is so why you... I'm in, which is why I'm in Dallas, because we're, we're actually testing it. We have a school of discipleship, 
So we're just taking like ordinary Catholics, um, and I don't mean like truly, truly ordinary. So like stay-at-home yeah, yeah, moms, yeah. soccer nice. moms, uh, businessmen, students, uh, and we're we're teaching them in a very kind of like clinical way. Uh, like who is the Holy Spirit? What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Like how do you grow in the gifts? But how do you practice them in a way that's still obedient to the church? Um, wow. And it's it's really exciting. That is very exciting. Uh, and, and that's kind of why I'm basing in Dallas right now. Okay, all that that's very good. I'm glad I asked you that why you were in Dallas, because um, I want to know more about that, and that'll be a good excuse to bring you back on the program. Um, <laughs> but but I want to ask you about about working with South by North. So you wrote this song. It's called Coming Home. It's based on the Prodigal Son, but you're saying that it was inspired by the Year of Mercy. Tell me about that. Well, for me. Uh, the year of mercy is uh, like the question is like what is mercy, uh-huh. and I think that um, mercy is it's different from forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But but as I was I was like meditating on God's mercy, what actually brought up and what it stirred up in my own heart as I was trying to prepare for the year of mercy. You know, because as a musician, it's like all right, well, what am, how am I going to tour next year, and like yes. what will we what will we talk about, and how can we create fresh and dynamic content? And as I'm meditating on the year of mercy, this idea of shame was really, really strong in yeah. my heart and in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that uh, I was just really struck in prayer with just, like, how sinful we are. And, and maybe I, I could be, like, a little scrupulous sometimes, but um, that's kind of really what was, was going through my head, is this idea that, like, God forgives. And so um, at the time uh, when I wrote the song, Joel had come over. We were going to do a co-write together. And mm-hmm. uh, I, was, I was telling Joel, I was, like, really wrestling with this whole idea of just feeling so unworthy of God's love and so unworthy of His forgiveness. And Joel's like, well, why? And I start, like, confessing to Joel, like, what my sins are. Yes. Uh, you know, and he's like, Tori, like, it's nothing that you could do that would, like, keep you from God's love. And I'm like, I know. I know there's nothing I could do that could keep me from God's love, but but why would God love me? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I was such in that, like, that, that, that dark, dark, dark place. And um, and Joel made this this comment about the prodigal son and how... Like, at the end, just, like, imagining this image of, like, the, the Father, God the Father, like, just putting His hands on the Son's face and lifting the Son's face up and saying, like, my beloved Son, mm-hmm. you are welcome. Um, and just the image was just, uh, man, it just brought yeah. such consolation, because I just felt so unworthy. Um, and so we, we just sat down and we wrote that song, and, and the song is, like, that emotion of, um, like, Lord, like, I'm selfish, and I'm given into the world, and I'm not worthy. Like, there's nothing that I could ever do that would make me worthy of your forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, and then and then in the bridge, it's just, it's like it's, the Lord just kind of disregards. He's like, it's not about your worthiness, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's absolutely. about who I am yeah. and, and my love for you and what I do for you. Yeah, that's such an important message. I'm so excited about the year for mercy because I think it's a kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, because there's so much that we can do to practice mercy and be merciful and receive mercy. Whereas with like yeah. the year for consecrated life, yeah, we could, what do we do? I don't know. Yeah, what <laughs> do <we> do? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're a deacon, so it's different. <laughs> it, kind of, yes. So um, quickly, because... Because um, I don't know if you, uh, d- d- the Divine Mercy prayer, is that part of your kind of prayer life? Is that a prayer that really speaks to you? Or are you on, a, uh, on, this, on you know, this mercy that, journey? That's a great question. I mean, I actually wrote a musical version of the Divine Mercy oh, chaplet. Really? I'm happy to send it to you. It's yes. eight minutes long. I want to hear it. Yes. Really yes. <laughs> I want to hear it. Good. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, 
you know, so, so whenever I'm in a, like, when I'm playing for youth groups and they're like, oh, we really want to continue devotion to the Divine Mercy, like, I'll, I'll play that chaplet. Um, though, honestly, like, I have to be really honest with you, uh, certain devotions, I just kind of go through seasons. Yes. So there was this season of my life where I was praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day, and yes. then I transitioned into a season where it was the rosary every day, yes. and then a season where I was, like, super scrupulous, and I was, like, all four rosaries every day. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, yeah, I haven't done oh, that season yet, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> Good. What was it? It was a short season. It was like two months, and then now, um, for for Advent, my spiritual like devotional resolution was I'm doing I'm doing morning prayer, I'm doing evening prayer, and I'm going to daily mass. And like, good for you. You know, so but maybe for the year of mercy. I mean, it starts starts next week. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's something I need to pick up just for the year. Absolutely, I, and but don't stop doing morning and evening prayer. That's my devotion. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's that's the <laughs> one to do. You. Listen, um, this is very cool. Um, you are, I know, and we're actually going to listen to a track that hopefully it's not on an album yet, but it will be on an album. So I know that at one point, maybe next year, you'll have a new album, and I'm excited about that. But I know that you're yeah, also in, you. you're also involved in this uh, pretty cool conference that's going to happen at the end of the year. Tell me about the One Thing Conference. Oh my gosh. This conference is amazing. Um, for anyone who's listening right now, it's 20,000 young adults are going to descend upon Kansas City, Missouri. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's called the One Thing Conference, and it was originally started by this church. It's a Protestant church yeah. in Kansas City called the International House of Prayer. And they would do this giant—the the very first conference they did was in a stadium— 50% of the people who came were actually Catholics. Nice. And it was, it's kind of what we're talking about with like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's to, to train and empower evangelists okay. for well, Christians to evangelize. Um, except this year is so historical because they are, um, throughout the years, IHOP has continually gotten a little more orthodox and they're really drawing from a lot of the teachings, the rich teachings of the early church fathers uh-huh. and the saints. Um, they pray evening prayer. They chant it nice. at night. <laughs> um, and so this year is super historical because they're partnering with diocese in Kansas City, and they're offering a Catholic track. Yes. So uh, cool. it's 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 a really interesting part for ecumenic ecumenism. Ecumenism. Yeah. Ecumenical. Ecumen- <laughs> ecumenism. Yes. Ec- ecumenism. Yes. yes. Um, it's so it's super historical in that way. But yeah, it's, it is. Twenty thousand young adults coming together. Uh, learning about the faith, uh, some of the most incredible dynamic speakers are going to be there. And then the Catholic track, it's just loaded with, like, heavy hitters. Yeah, who's going? Um, it's going to be exciting. Matt Mars playing, Audrey nice. Assad's playing. Huh, nice. Yeah, heavy hitters. I'm playing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, but they're cool, too, so, like, go see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, really just uh, humbled. Okay. I think this is one of the first conferences that I, I ever feel really humbled to be there. Yeah, no, that's very exciting. Um, so that's people can find out more at majorchange.org is the website, majorchange.org. Yeah. Tori, we're going to have to leave it there, but uh, it's always so fun to talk to you. Um, oh, I love thank your, you. I love your music, and I love that we get to play a song that nobody has heard before, and that's coming up. So uh, thank you for doing, and we will bring you back to talk about your little Holy Spirit charismatic booklet thing that I would love to read as well. <laughs> So you have well, a lot. Thank of, you so much. You have a lot of things to send me. I okay. You bet. Not a problem. Okay. God bless. Happy Advent. Happy Advent to you as well. God bless you. You can learn all about Tori Harris at her website, toriharris.com. And here now is Tori Harris with a yet-to-be-released song, "Never Letting Go."
listening to Tori Harris with Never Letting Go. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can learn about all our featured artists or guests. That's also where you can find out all about our work at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and learn how you can support our ministry. That's saltandlighttv.org. Remember that you can always reach me through Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro and let me know what you think of what you hear on this program. You can also reach to us now by sending us a direct voice message through our website. That's at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Go check it out and uh, send us a message. You can listen to the Salt and Light Hour no matter where you are. All our programs are online, but the show is also heard across the United States on our partner radio stations, the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129, the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, the Baraga Radio Network, the Lamb Radio Network, WJTA Holy Family Radio in Ohio, and on the Relevant Radio Network. The Salt and Light Hour is also on our Salt and Light Roku channel. If you'd like to learn how to get Salt and Light on your Roku, visit us at our website, saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. This program is completely free thanks to donations. So thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. Have a blessed Advent season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. I vow I would not lose the fight.